Hey everybody, it's Connor here. Just before we get started on the episode, wanted to let you know that unfortunately the AC in our studio is out right now and uh, we have a fan on in the background so that we don't pass out while we're recording the episode. If so if you hear some extra noise, that's why and hopefully it'll be gone soon. Appreciate all of you. to Theology Thursday, an ecumenical space for students to discuss matters of faith and theology. I'm your host, Connor Grubbs. I am your co-host, Ryan Mock. And I'm your co-co-host, Johnny Grubbs. Well, here we are for the second episode of Season 6. This is kind of a two-parter here. We're continuing our introduction to Revelation. Um, again, for returning listeners, if you're like, where's the subpoint, man, we're, we're taking our show. We want to kind of shorten it and really focus on the theological topics and questions that we're addressing every week. So if you're interested in some points, those are kind of our takes on things that aren't necessarily directly theological. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's a little more somber, uh, but we get into news and other things and just kind of bring our perspective, whatever that's worth, not much, but you should uh, subscribe to us on Patreon if you're interested in hearing some of that stuff, because Subpoints is all over there now. It's a whole separate show. Um, we are going to continue today. We're talking about the millennium, the tribulation, going to get right into it with our series on Revelation. So without further ado, let's begin. Now we are going to discuss the millennium. Okay, so this is the 1,000-year reign of Christ that is referred to in Revelation chapter 20. So there are multiple views on the millennium, and we're going to look at, um, well, four of them, really, the four major ones. So historic premillennialism. Um, this is the view that the tribulation occurs, Jesus comes back, the Antichrist is judged, and the righteous are resurrected, and there is a literal thousand-year reign for the church. It's important to specify that. Um, uh, it's in a thousand-year reign of Christ where the church gets to live in that reign. Um, and afterwards, Satan starts a rebellion, and Jesus kicks his butt. This was pretty popular with the ancient church, um, and it is probably the least popular view today. Um, there's not a whole lot of people that hold to this nowadays. Then there's the real popular one, dispensational premillennialism. Okay, this is kind of the major one in the evangelical world, particularly in America. Um, okay, so the rapture occurs. We, we get to start with that concept. It's a great, it's a great way to start. Uh, rapture, then um, the Antichrist. Um, there's a seven-year tribulation. Um, and the Battle of Armageddon happens, which is mm. Israel versus um, all of its opposers, all those who oppose Israel. Um, Jesus comes and kicks the Antichrist butt, mm -hmm. and the opponents are thrown into Hades to await their final judgment. Um, while those who were pro-Israel, pro-Jesus, um, get to partake in a literal thousand-year reign of Christ. So Israel gets to physically rule the earth because um, the church has already been raptured. The church is the ones who were raptured at the beginning of yeah. this, they, they this are taken, They're taken journey. away. Yeah. Then Satan rebels again. Then Jesus kicks his butt again. Man, Satan just can't seem to learn his lesson here. In all of these views, Jesus kicks Satan's butt. So that that's does, one thing. That's all in agreement to be there. a common theme. That is one thing that uh, you know people who read, Christians who read Revelation can agree 
Jesus kicks Satan's butt. And that's a very important, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's good that we all agree on that. That, And I think that's where kind of, you know, even though there's some weird things here and it matters where we stand on this, like that's kind of where the orthodoxy comes in is that Jesus is coming back to set things right. You know, we can talk more about that later. But um, I'll say right off the bat, just saying that, I had to stop myself from chuckling a couple of times. It's the most complicated. I, I feel like it's just all over the place. I mean, there's a lot of steps here. Um, and it's part of why we've talked about sort of Christian Zionism before, this sort of um, just putting Israel on a pedestal. Yeah, just hyper-focus on Israel and how we need to help Israel to usher in the kingdom. And so this one leads to a lot of kind of geopolitical implications that um, have led to a lot of why so much of the American church is like heavy-leaning Republican and concern, you know, all these things. So, I mean, that's a whole other thing right there post-millennialism is that um a figurative thousand year reign um begins after christ ascension okay mm -hmm. um and ends when jesus comes back and the, okay. and the key point here is that leading up to this time there is going to be an increase in quote-unquote christianization of the world yes an things increase, are going to get better before jesus returns increase in the gospel and Christians will be at the front, forefront of culture during this reign of Christ. So, um, so according to that view, we're in it right now. Yes. Um, and that's why it ends up at this point having to be figurative because it's been more than a thousand years since it Christ's has. ascension. <laughs> um, and as we'll discuss as we go further into this series, there's a lot of figurative numbers in Revelation. That numerology aspect was fairly common to the genre. Then there's amillennialism. That is. Again, a figurative a millennium, which is inaugurated with Christ's resurrection. He gained victory over Satan and the curse, and his kingdom's reign on earth began. And he will return, kick Satan's butt, and fully reconcile all, all things to himself. This view was also very popular in the ancient church. It is also um, the most simple to understand. It's the most simple to understand. You don't need a chart. It's similar to post-millennialism, except it doesn't emphasize this idea that the church will be at the forefront and things will get better and better. Mm -hmm. um, now, though I think, I mean, we see that simply in the sense that spiritually speaking, certainly things are getting better and, and have gotten better since Christ's resurrection because we're out of that covenant. We're in this new covenant where the gospel can be preached and, and all are grafted in. And so that's kind of a... Um, that's encouraging news, and I think, it, it, man, if if we're uh, if we're back in the dispensational premillennialist thing, we're waiting for a literal seven-year reign of terror by an antichrist, and if we're not pro-Israel, then we're also evil, and um, we're not going to get raptured. It's very there's very there's a lot of fear there. Um, it's also and it's also such a new idea. It's it's the most recent of all the ones we've talked about. If you want to right? be hyper orthodox, you want to go a little bit further back. Yeah, um, and you know, with all millennialism, I, I mean, to me, it just makes the most sense because that's what Jesus basically leaves with his disciples is, you know, go out in the authority that I've given you, and um, you know, keep ushering in my kingdom, you know? I mean, and that's what we get to do every day when we live godly lives and share the love of Christ with others is we're, we're seeing 
pockets of his kingdom show up on earth and eventually he'll return and make that all full and final and reconcile things to himself so um do we i know last we had this conversation we were all all millennialist yes are we still there (laughs) yes although and i was like this before even more so then than i am now i'm still very sympathetic to the post-millennial position yeah i like the idea of things getting better yeah yeah and i think there's certainly um potential for that but i also don't think that's necessarily laid out in scripture very clearly um so um partial preterist amillennials so far if we're trying to put labels on it which i don't even necessarily like that would be that's that would describe us and certainly our audience uh is probably more diverse than we are and have different ideas and and like we said um all these are within orthodoxy there are a lot of big problems that I have with dispensational premillennialism that we will talk about as we go throughout the series because, like I've already, I've, and I already kind of said, it focuses on fear, um, and I, I think a lot of that's coming from extra biblical places, and that's not a good thing. So, one thing I will say, and I can't substantiate this claim fully, but I mean, from what I've experienced working with pastors and talking with pastors, um, is a lot of them share the same eschatology a lot of people as us us, okay a lot of pastors come out of seminary with the same conclusion (laughs) right Mm -hmm. um because and we'll make the case for it on the show i think it it just it just makes the most biblical sense what happened is in evangelism there's a lot of pastors that didn't go to seminary right there are some denominations where it's very easy to get ordained um and a lot of people, even those who did go to seminary, um, their congregants weren't listening to them. They were listening to Tim LaHaye and other people yeah. that were writing books and creating television shows. Well, Christianity became commercialized, and so yeah. is, and, and that stuff sells because it's entertaining and it's yeah. interesting, but it's not biblical. Um, yeah. But it sort of just got adopted by a lot of people. And, and, and a lot of pastors, I don't know what the deal was at the time, but they were just kind of like, oh, well, you like that, okay. You know, it, there wasn't, um, and it's not, I'm not trying to blame anybody, but I do wonder, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. what would have happened if we, if we had said, hey, this is, Left Behind's not a great interpretation of Revelation. Maybe yeah. you enjoy it, maybe you, but it's not, it's not good eschatology because right. a lot of people thought, you know, Tim LaHaye is the—he's the end times guy. My pastor is good for Sunday morning, but Tim LaHaye will tell me how the world's going to end. And uh, and pastors did nothing to—and I know that's hard, right? When you call out a book or call out an author, maybe they, there's things that Tim LaHaye wrote other books maybe that they liked, and I, I don't know. I don't know what the deal well, was. I don't know which one it was, because um, <laughs> I mean, un- unfortunately, it, it's just—it it is, you know. I don't mean to be like overly critical or mean or anything, but if you look at his other stuff, I mean the books that he wrote on marriage, on oh yeah, no, they're not very, good. very problematic. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean just across the board. So it wasn't just his end times that was bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, this guy just had bad theology in general. Um, so I don't know. I don't but, know yeah. how it happened, but I, it happened as, because as a final note on all of that, though, for me. Um, there are educated pastors who are dispens- mm-hmm. dispensationalists, yes. premillennial, and there oh, are sure. lay lay people uh, who are dispensationalists, premillennial, that are not crazy and believe wacky things. Yes. Um, so we got to show respect to them. And, and I think usually, 
Because, and I think it's important to emphasize that the ones who aren't getting, like, crazy and weird with it usually just see, like, when they read Scripture, they found this timeline. Okay, there's going to be this seven-year thing where the Antichrist says this, there's going to be a thousand years where this happens. Most of the ones, the ones that I know that I can honestly, like, respect that are, are teaching it that way are not trying to tie it into current political events or, like, adding... American history into it like that that's where it becomes problematic and it's very easy to do in that view is sort of trying to crack the code of how these things tie into it if you're just saying I think this is what's going to happen at the end but still acknowledging like we don't know when it's going to happen America's not at the center of it you know then there's you know I I think probably for some people um, having sort of a timeline and some numbers and an order of events like just helps it make more sense yeah, you know? absolutely, and and I think um, and some people just think that way, and I get that. And those are the people that take the rest of Scripture seriously too. They're not mm-hmm. hyper focused over here. They're like, like my responsibility is still the same. It's to usher in exactly. the kingdom of God. It's to do, and maybe this stuff will happen, and maybe it'll happen in this order. Yeah. But that doesn't it doesn't change my mission in life. It's a good thing to emphasize because there's a lot of pastors that I respect that would fall in that category. Where I think this becomes dangerous, and why I warn against it is it can become something that is all about fear mongering leads to conspiracy theories, leads to people getting all obsessed and trying to crack this code and figure out the timeline, and that's not healthy. Yeah. So just be careful with that. Um, okay. I have some incriminating audio on you. Yeah, I'm very – I'm scared but intrigued. So um, I'm going to take my headphones off for a second. I'm, I, I, I will put this um, – I will put this – I'll put this in the show because right now I'm probably not going to pick it up. But it's it's around this point. You may have to wait a second. It's just one thing that I'm not sure you would totally agree with now, but I have I have audio of you saying it. I have John MacArthur's study Bible. I highly recommend John MacArthur. That was the one. Oh. You saying I highly recommend John MacArthur. When, when was this? Uh, when was this episode? This was this was a year ago, June fourteenth. I mean, not a year ago. It was it, around the same time that we did this. So, uh, twenty eighteen. So this was what five years ago now. Oh, it makes sense why I would have said that five years ago. Um, do you do you still highly recommend John MacArthur? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, so that's that was the quote I wanted to get. My um, my respect for John MacArthur in the past two years has absolutely plummeted. Yeah, we've talked about some of his goofiness on the show uh, before. Um, if you like John MacArthur, I think Ryan could sympathize with you. Why? Uh, maybe there's some of his teaching or book. I've I've got to be honest with you. Never listened to any of his sermons. Never read any of his books. I know there's some people who really like him. The dude has said some, like, just blatantly racist things from the pulpit, some blatantly misogynistic things at conferences and stuff, um, and has also actively, like, tried to ignore and kind of uh, brush abuse under the rug in his church. Um, And then has said some very bizarre political things as well. He's not Um, a good Christian example, and that's kind of what you would want in a pastor. Yeah. To just be like, at least on a basic level, like, just be a Christian example of, like, how a Christian should live and talk. Yeah. Um, You could make an argument. One of the reasons why, because I would have been, I was not in the same boat in 2018, but I was. I, I, I you had a John MacArthur bubble. Yeah, I did. I had a study Bible. And and even further back, I highly recommend him and read all his books. Um, It's funny because back in the day when I was a little bit more starry-eyed, I thought he was an excellent biblical scholar as well. He's sort of just an all right biblical scholar. <laughs> um, and then he's done some study that's that that's I guess helpful, but you can get it from better 
better people, to be honest with yeah. you. So I, I want to go on the record. But I want to go on the record uh, to apologize to everybody <laughs> that I ever made that recommendation. So I think that might, like, out of all four episodes, that was the only thing I heard that after five years that was not still in line. That's that's wild that I said that. I, was, I mean, I, I get why I said that. I, back then. I, I was trying to find incriminating quotes on Johnny, on myself. I, the only thing that happened. Uh, and I just I made a note of this too because I wanted to mention it. So I farted and left it in the episode. No way. <laughs> but, uh, but but the other thing that's hilarious is as I was listening and taking notes, in real time, I farted in sync with myself on the episode. Like I, like as I was listening a that's couple spooky. days ago. Yeah, I was typing up my notes and I farted at the exact same time that I farted on the show in my headphones. So I, I, I hope we're not losing page. I literally farted right in sync with myself. That, that might be a sign of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I think the rapture is near. Are you, are you guys wearing your rapture pants, right? And your rapture-proof pants. We talked about that yeah. in the, in the episode, too. so much. The Nicolas Cage study Bible and the rapture-proof pants. Maybe I should get on that. I'm working on printing some new merch. Maybe I could get some, like, joggers that like just, say just say rapture-proof on the down. Like in the seam or something. And, like, says, no, it wouldn't be subtle. I'm going to put in bold letters down the leg. They're going to be, like, sweatpants. Dude, this is great. That's a we were, tra- we were talking about it earlier. Like, what do we do for our next? We could do rapture-proof shirts. We got you guys. This It's this season. Revelation, baby. Let's do this. Rapture-proof pants. Don't be embarrassed. Arriving at the pearly gates. <laughs> Rapture proof pants and your Nick Cage study Bible. This is fantastic. So I just took note of that, that I farted in sync with myself. We can keep uh, moving on. Okay, so the last episode we did, and technically, I'll, I'll note this this was supposed to be like a six part series. So we also have an episode where we talked about hell, and we have an episode where we talked about the Antichrist. I'm not going to review those things today because I feel like this stuff is all like sort of foundational to kind of your overall perspective on Revelation. Those stuff we can talk about when we get to them. Um, we also did an episode much later that was not a part of the series on the Mark of the Beast. I'm going to have to figure out how to title these episodes because when we did the eschatology series, we always talked about, we're so proud of that. That was like the best thing we ever did. That was so good, guys. We Look at us. We did our eschatology series. We're not that into ourselves, but yeah. No, we, but you we, would always say, I'm just the most proud. If we ever like look back yeah, on our body of work. That is one of my favorite series. Right. And because... you know I say that? Nobody listened to it. I'm like, let's nine views. That's really low for us. So, um, and like the listens are even lower. Well, maybe you guys could go back and listen to it in tandem with this. Well, no, this is that's why we did this episode. Well, why are we doing this? No, 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 no. no, no. Listen, first of all, the Mark of the Beast episode we did as the season finale last season was very popular, and so was what happened. It was the titles, okay? Because what we did was eschatology part one, exegetical views. Who wants to listen to that? (laughs) Wait, so you're saying we have to make it click? So academic, and then then we did. The Antichrist. And everyone listened to that, right? So, like, or the Mark of the Beast. Everyone listened to that. With this, we were doing, yeah, this is eschatology part one, part two, part three. People see that, and they're like, oh, man, I got to go listen to the other parts. I got to. So, like, I don't want to just title it Revelation chapter one versus so what three. It's got to be a standalone title. Yeah. So, rapture-proof pants. Name this one. <laughs> Connor. Connor farts in sync with himself. <laughs> gone wrong. Three a.m. challenge. Yeah, we got to think of some clickbaity titles. No, this but even season. without clickbaity titles, you could you could s- certainly easily title each section just separately, like yeah, a standalone and title. You got, and you got to do the thumbnails too. You got to, you know, just like that's what Matt keeps telling me. I got to do new thumbnails. Anyway, yeah. um, so 
nobody listened to it. But, the, but then people always request if I put out like, "What do you guys want us to talk about?" Revelation, Revelation, Revelation. So like we're finally we did, and then they're like, they're, oh, "Well, talk about it now." We're doing it now. We're gonna go deep. Okay, okay. so I, th- this whole season, guys, is Revelation. So tell your friends. Tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your aunt, your uncle. So we the last hurry because the Lord's coming back. And... <laughs> the last thing we did, um, and it's the last thing we're going to talk about today. Unless you had some notes, did you? N- not really. I'll save those. This is just about the numerology that would lead somebody to an amillennial or even postmillennial kind of. You know, we'll talk more about it later. Would that like fit? with a specific chapter or should that be it like will. sign of a pre sort of an introduction thing no i think it'll just fit. wait wait yeah, okay. save it for later all right so the tribulation in most views is this literal seven-year occurrence where the antichrist is ruling the earth and christians are being persecuted like crazy it's really scary okay just watch left behind two so y- you may have heard um oh pre-trib or mid-trib or post-trib which trib are you and uh the the <laughs> The 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 what that is referring to is where the tribulation takes place in reference to the rapture. Yeah. Okay. So the rapture takes place before the tribulation, during the tribulation, or right. after the tribulation. Um. So, um, is the rapture on your list? Oh, we'll talk about the rapture. Okay. Because I, I mean, not that, for today. Yeah. But that assumes you even think the rapture is in the Bible. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so rapture being. You know, at, at this point, the belie- all the believers at that time are taken up. Like, Minus if you're clothes. Not, yeah, if what? you're um, <laughs> unless you got the pants, <laughs> unless you got the pants. Um, but uh, the, so, so yeah, I mean, you just kind of like disappear, like like when Thanos snapped in Infinity War. So, um, but a little bit more positive. Yes, yeah, I guess. I mean, as you see, left not, behind, not like it's kind of spooky. <laughs> Mr. Stark, um, I don't feel so, so yeah, good. So pre-trib rapture occurs before the tribulation, mid-trib, halfway through, post-trib, after. Okay. So the amillennial, postmillennial view is that the tribulation, as in just suffering and antichrist occurrences and movements, right? Anything that is antichrist, uh, suffering of the church, um, is it's a clear theme throughout Revelation, but there is little to back up the idea that it is a specific time period like seven years. That's sort of the amillennial view, right? So in the same way that we are currently in the millennium, the reign of Christ— there's also currently is ongoing tribulation that the church is going through. And that's that that's why we can both be in the reign of Christ and also see, you know, brothers and sisters, you know, suffering martyrdom and all these things in other parts of the world um, is both are true. And they will continue <coughs> in a tension with each other until Christ returns. That's why we look forward to his return so much. Um, so uh, here's the thing that's important about this is in all the views, and I think you know we can emphasize this over and over again. Ultimately, Jesus conquers evil. Right. right. Jesus wins in the end. Jesus conquers all evil, and if we can agree on that, then we're off to a good start. All right. There's a lot of other stuff to talk about and explore um, as we're having that conversation, but that's the key. That's really the key to Revelation. Um, now I don't want to wrap up quite yet. I want to say. Do you want to talk about numerology now while we're at it? We can just we'll have more content. Do we want to talk about the rapture now, or do we want to wait till they naturally appear <laughs> in a verse or a? Here's chapter? why I think I will wait. Um, I, I would like to trace numerology throughout the texts yeah. as we encounter them. But is there like could you introduce the concept so that as it pops up? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, just it's, I mean, just the idea is that in the ancient world, that numbers, and, and this is true to this day. There's modern numerology yeah. and stuff. As lucky well. number thirteen, right? Or, like, unlucky number thirteen. Um, it just was so ingrained in culture at the time that everybody, like, there was just sort of a standard. Like, if you saw this number, you knew what it meant, and um, all of these things. And so, a lot of times, we're we're looking at it: is it literal or is it not literal? And like, like we're asking the wrong question because, like. It, the the readers actually like oh that that number means mm-hmm. this right that means completion that means authority that means this or that and so <coughs> if you don't start with the meaning you won't really ever determine you don't start with the meaning of the number you, you won't ever really determine whether or not it is literal or whether you, or not you should even be asking that question right right in the first place and so um so I'll, I'll kind of trace that in, in more specificity throughout the – and then I, I don't have much to say about the rapture off the top of my head. I did some research on it about eight months ago, actually. I was like – did some like hard research on it and, and uh, cited N.T. Wright on it, and there's a couple uh, – or it could may even be a single passage in the gospel that gets misinterpreted, and people, um, people assume that there's going to be this – rapture but there there really is no indication of a rapture in the book of revelation itself yeah which is why i don't think it's actually necessarily going to pop up that might be like kind of a side note for us to talk about because the proof texts that people use for the rapture don't come from the book of revelation like there's one in like first thessalonians or something and then there's i think one in one of the parables in the gospel yeah the gospel is like where somebody will be will stay and another will be taken up and And that's like that's it i mean there's nothing in revelation basically one of the arguments that nc wright says is that's like that's the nature of like of, of life. Like not, they're, it's basically like I'm I'm totally butchering it, but it's like not to take people for granted or the relationships that you have for granted because of the type of times that we live in, yeah. and stuff like that. And so there is an urgency to evangelize your friend because they may not be there tomorrow, you know. Yeah. And and that we know that's true. And unfortunately, we've seen some of the carnage lately on TV and things like that. Um, and the idea is spread the kingdom while you can, because you don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that was a lot. We kind of have this intro to Revelation. Very excited about that. As as a final note, like for people who are new to these concepts that we've introduced and you really feel like, man, I'm just I have no idea what these guys are talking about. I highly recommend that you stick with listening to our episodes because these topics will come back up as we go through Revelation chapter by chapter. And so you'll be able to, to start to see the threads appear and follow them yeah. instead we'll of just... Break it down. You, right now, you're just getting an info dump. Yeah. But uh, as, as we follow Revelation chapter by chapter, these ideas come back up, be able to spend more time and follow this, this thread to make it hopefully more accessible to you. Certainly. Um, as kind of a fire hydrant. I mean, there's a lot of information, but it's all introductory, and I think it'll start to make more sense as we actually go through the book. And that's why we're doing it. Yeah, and coming full circle, right? You sa- And I understand why you said it, but like you said at the beginning, it's like we chose to come back in with Revelation, and it's like that's because even that thought th- line of thinking comes from, I think, uh, a misnomer and a flawed way of thinking about Revelation. And so I hope that by the end of this, when you hear about Revelation or you think about Revelation, you're able just to think, oh, that's one of my favorite New Testament books. Let me say alongside this. Alongside First and Second Thessalonians or any other yeah. book. Well, and, well, it, it, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually say more so than any other book. My hope is that by the end of this, 
when you're going through something in the Old Testament or maybe even a part of the Gospels or the Epistles, yeah. and you're getting overwhelmed, that Revelation is the part of the Bible you go to to go back to the simple Gospel of Jesus Christ and the hope that we have yeah. in Him. Because that should be kind of the summary, the... This is because that was the intention of it, really, right. is to really wrap up the Old Christ. and the New Testament, the message of the gospel all together, and give us hope for what's to come. So, I, my my hope is that it, you would you would turn to that when things feel overwhelming or complicated as the simple gospel and a reminder of that. It's interesting that you say that because I do that a lot when I'm yeah. counseling people. I say, okay, well, I tell you what you do next. <laughs> Let's start with Revelation 21, yeah. right, which describes when when Christ finishes the job, fully establishes His kingdom. And how he's wiping away every tear. There's going to be no more pain, no more crying. It's the hope that we should be building into the world by uh, advancing Christ's kingdom every day. Ultimately, wherever you land on this, Jesus conquers all evil. And this is not a message of fear. It is a message of hope. Yeah, absolutely. So let's know that going into it. And I will leave us with one quote from Michael J. Gorman uh, once again. He says, um, and and I I think this is a good summary as we wrap up today. Revelation is not about the Antichrist but about the living Christ. It is not about a rapture out of this world, but about faithful discipleship in this world. Mm -hmm. That is, like every other New Testament book, Revelation is about Jesus Christ and about following him in obedience and love. If anyone asks, why read the Apocalypse, another name for Revelation, the unhesitating answer must be to know Christ better. That's from Michael J. Gorman. Mm, Beautiful. So, Um, If you're looking for further study, some of the books that were used today uh, were Reading Revelation Responsibly by Michael J. Gorman and Revelation for Everyone by N.T. Wright. Do you have any books you'd like to recommend, cite, that you used? Um, Well, I'm using Revelation for Everyone by N.T. Wright. I'm also using a commentary uh, by uh, Simon Kistemacher. Okay. Um, I can't, I think it's just called Revelation, you know, whatever. But Kistemacher is a respected uh, commentator on uh, scripture. So, yeah. And you have any commentaries, books you want to recommend right now? Uh, no, not at the moment. Not right. at the moment. Okay. Well, these things are all in the show notes. Um, there's links to them. You can order on Amazon. Order them on Amazon. We are just starting the conversation. We want you to continue this study for yourself. Um, and if you have any questions along the way as we're going through this series, please send them to us at theologythursdaypodcast at gmail Thank you to our Patreons for supporting us. And if you're interested in becoming a Patreon, there's a link to that in the show notes as well. You can see the different tiers and rewards that come with that. That helps us uh, continue this show and keep improving the quality of it. Uh, We're so thankful to each and every one of you for listening. And Ryan, if you would. Yeah, yeet.